Hey everybody, you're listening to Big Things with Zach Miko, and on today's episode, we have a very special Ask Me Anything with me, Zach Miko. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the theme song. All right, and welcome everyone to Big Things with Zach Miko. As always, I'm your host, Zach Miko. You know me. I hope you love me. I mean, I hope you like me, really. If you don't love me, that's totally fine. As long as you like, mostly like me, and keep listening, I think that's a good thing. Um, We have a very different episode for you guys coming up today. What happens is I've spent the last week, week and a half, in the Philippines, in Manila, You know, guys, I travel every now and then, and I was doing a shoot for uh, SM Men, for their SM Men Plus Maxware collection, doing a campaign for them, and it was a great time. I had an amazing time. So because of that, we actually didn't get to get a guest in because I haven't been here. I've been so gone. And so what Josh and I decided to do was we were going to do like a best of episode sort of thing, but then we're like, no, that's lame. How about I just talk directly to you guys? And on social media, we put out a very special Ask Me Anything. So that's what we're doing today, guys. We used to do it in the beginning of our podcast, but we haven't done it in a very long time. So I thought it was fun for us to sit back and do an Ask Me Anything with me. Before we get into that, I'll tell you guys a little bit about the Philippines. Uh, I've worked with them twice now. SM Stores are one of the biggest retailers in the Philippines. So I flew into Manila, had a bunch of amazing Filipino food, uh, met with Luigi Mulak. I hope that's the way to say it, guys. (laughs) Uh, But he's an amazing guy who owns a chef called Lumu Beer House out there, and I filmed a little video with them, sponsored by the SM Store, where little old me got to try authentic Filipino food for the first time. Um, I'd been there before, but the thing is, I don't know what I'm ordering when I'm over there. So Luigi took me through some staples. We had uh, Balalo steak. Um, We had Peachy Peachy, which is my new favorite dessert. And uh, my favorite is Crispy Patas, which is pork knuckle. Oh, my God. It's the ultimate drinking food. You take the pork knuckle, it's all fried and amazing, and you rip it off, and you dip it in hot vinegar. It's so great. But I had a great time out there. I love the Philippines so much. And what I love is SM Stores is actually the only people out there doing extended sizes for bigger guys. I mean, I'm a big guy out there in the Philippines. I normally wear, like, a 2XL in most companies in the U.S., and I'm about a 5XL in the Philippines, so it really shows you that their their size range is very limited for bigger guys out there. But it's needed, and body positivity is so needed out there. And the crew I worked with has done an amazing job of pushing body positivity in the Philippines. And it's just it's a global phenomenon, guys. People are tired of feeling bad about themselves. I think there's a lot of negativity in this world, and people are just sick and tired of feeling shitty all the time. So... Luckily, that's brands like SM, models like myself and the, and the myriad of others out there are just, we're tired of it. <laughs> we want people to feel better about themselves. So it's, it's exciting to be part of these projects. I'm really lucky to do the work that I do. And a lot of the times the brands I'm working with, it's the first time they've done any sort of big and tall or plus size or extended size or whatever label they put on it. So it's really exciting to see people actually striving and trying to make a better product for people like you and me. So it's a lot of fun. But that's not why you guys came here, is it? No, you came here for the Ask Me Anything. So let's get into it. Question number one. Oh, also heads up, I didn't ask anyone if they wanted to remain anonymous while asking these questions. So I'm just going to use people's first names uh, just to make sure... You know, I'm not blowing up anyone's spot or anything. But questions from Instagram. Uh, JD asks me, do you have to adhere to a special diet to preserve your image? That's a good question. I get asked that 
fairly often. Um, so one of the things that's cool about being a plus size male model or a brawn model or a big and tall model or an extended size model or whatever you want to call it is I do have a freer diet than other models. So I still have to maintain. I'm not allowed to really gain or lose any weight because my clients expect a certain size. They expect certain measurements. It's one of the reasons I'm getting hired is because I have the measurements that I have, especially a lot of the times what your clients do is they're pulling samples specifically for the models that they're working with. So I do have to maintain a certain size, especially some clients. I've been working with king size for three and a half years now. So I've had to stick to that weight basically since I started working with them and with others because it's expected. It's what needs to be. Now, if I lost a bunch of weight or anything like that, do I think I'd lose clients? Um, some maybe, but for the most part, no, I think, you know, I've done a good job to have a good relationship with my clients, but it is expected to maintain a certain body type, whether you are a plus model or a straight model, you're expected to stay around the same size that you started booking work with. Now, does it happen? Do people gain and lose weight? Of course they do because they're human beings and it's natural. And sometimes you gain weight and sometimes you lose weight, but the rule of thumb is to try to stick to what you were when you first started working, basically. Um, so I do watch what I eat. I do have an exercise routine. Um, but I don't have to live a life of pure exemption. I don't have to be like, oh, I never eat ice cream. I never eat cheese. I can have anything I want. I just have to stick to moderation. So on a normal time, I, I, I normally do eat fairly healthy. I have a lot of greens and a lot of protein. A lot of grilled meat. Uh, <laughs> actually, buying a grill for my apartment was the best thing I ever did. Um, and yeah, I can. I I have to stick to it. I, I'm not a heavy drinker. I do drink. I do have beer, and I love whiskey. I love beer and whiskey, and I love wine. But you know, it's I stick to once, maybe twice a week. You know, it, it, it's everything in moderation. I I try to eat sensibly and I try to work out sensibly I make sure my body's moving and I make sure that I'm not putting utter crap in my body unless it's a special occasion because sometimes you got to go to Taco Bell at two in the morning that's just how life is you got to do it thank you very much so next question if you could have sorry ginger asks if you could have any type of superpower which would you want? I thought about this ever since I was six years old, which I think most of us have. The ultimate superpower, I think, is to be able to stop time and yet move around and manipulate things in the stopped time thing. I think that'd be really cool. Like, I think you could stop any crime. All of a sudden, some guy's robbing a bank. You just, like, freeze time. And then you move the dudes outside of the bank into the police car and you escape and you do everything. It'll appear like you have super speed to everybody else, but really you're just moving around. I think it's a great idea. I think you can do whatever you want. So thank you, Ginger. All right. <laughs> uh, next question. Orlando asks, how do you feel about brands such as Abercrombie, Hollister, who have no actual large sizes? That's a great question. I have a big problem with any retailers who aren't size inclusive. I think it was excusable at one point, but I don't think it is anymore. I think, for example, for men, according to the CDC, the um, average size waist of a man in the United States is 40. Now, a lot of big brand retailers won't even go up to 40. They'll stop at 38, which to me doesn't make any sense. Why are you right off the bat deciding more than 50% of the country is not allowed to buy your product? I don't, I, it speaks, it doesn't speak well. Abercrombie's CEO a while ago got in trouble, as he should have, for stating that he did not want fat people wearing his clothing. For one, fuck you. I mean, that's super fat phobic, super dickish, but I just, from a, even from a business stance, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why wouldn't you want to sell clothing to anyone who is willing to buy it? 
what people like that do is they are claiming that by selling clothes to bigger people, it is somehow cheapening their brand, which is nonsense for one, but is also deeply insulting to someone like me. But it's telling me that my money isn't as good as someone else's money. It, there, there's so many inherent issues with that. For a long time, fashion was this tiny little bubble that if you were outside of this bubble of perfection of beauty, you had no place. You didn't belong. And luckily, we've expanded past that, where now we understand what's beautiful is someone's individuality, their personality, what's amazing about them. We look at the individual more often, not all the time, we're still a very, you know, shallow society, but more and more often we're looking at people for who they are and their the style that they put forward. And that's why plus models and differently abled models are making such a big impact today. So what I think about brands that don't offer extended sizing, I think they're going to fail. I think it's so dumb. I think it's a stupid idea. I, I think people have chances to be better. And I will be willing. I was talking to Jenny Runk, and she told me, because I asked her about this at one point, because uh, she works for Abercrombie sometimes, and I asked her what she felt. I'm like, what do you think about um you know, working for a company that at one point was so vocal about not having plus sizes. And now Abercrombie does offer some plus sizes. And she said, I'm never going to be mad at somebody for trying to do better, for trying to fix things. And I think that's a general good advice. As plus people, a lot of times we come from a very hurt place. We've been made fun of our whole lives. We've been antagonized our whole lives. We've been othered our whole lives. So what happens is we're ready to be upset. We're ready to be hurt because it's happened so many times before. It, we're, you know, it's a jaded position to be in. But if, if brands like Abercrombie and Hollister want to come forward and they want to be size inclusive now, I'm not going to harp on them for selling out. I'm not going to harp on them for being like, oh, now you want you know, my money when my money wasn't good before. I I think the only way to move forward and keep making the plus size community as mainstream in the industry as it is, is not to forgive and forget, but to forgive, to move on. Jenny said it perfectly. I'm never going to get mad at somebody who wants to do better. And I think that's the way we have to approach brands like that. So... Thank you, Orlando. Thank you very much. Uh, Killian asks, what's your favorite slash least favorite thing about being a big dude? I love being a big guy. Um, it took me a long time to love being a big guy. I really hated it. I really hated it for most of my life. I, um, I felt like I was different, which I was. When you're younger, you don't think of your individuality as a strength. You think of it as something that sets you apart from others. And when you're a little kid, being other feels very lonely and feels very dangerous sometimes and feels very sad. It's very depressing not being part of the group, especially when you're young and social dynamics are so important to you. Um, but I learned. I learned to love myself. I learned to love being the big guy and I learned to be proud of being the big guy. Um, so now what's my favorite thing about being a big guy? Most things. I It's a great thing. I can reach any shelf. That's pretty awesome. Um, I'm, I feel comfortable walking down pretty much any street. Like I'm not worried about getting jumped or anything because whether people know it or not, just being big, I look like I can handle my own. Even if I can't fight for shit, I look like I can. So that's always nice. Uh, I never get claustrophobic in large crowds because my head is higher than everyone else's. It's, it's a good feeling. Um, there's so many plus sides to being plus size. <laughs> I'm going to copyright that. That's pretty good. Uh, as far as what was your least favorite thing about being a big dude? As I said earlier, growing up is very hard. Um, my only really problem now is it's still hard to buy products and to and clothing, not just clothing, but just products in general built for people of bigger size. 
when I was in the airport coming back from the Philippines this week, we stopped in Korea, South Korea, and I got to go into their lounge and they had these uh, massage chairs, which like, you know, to help rejuvenate you. And they were awesome. They were like Brookstone times a million. These were like the nicest massage chairs where like every part of the chair moved. Um, and I was excited and I sat down, but right away I was like, I'm too big for this. I'm too tall for this. It doesn't reach certain places. So stuff like that's a bummer. I'm supposed to get this amazing full body massage and instead like the middle of my back feels great, but everything else doesn't. So I, I still am waiting for people to make more, not just clothing, but just products in general for people of size. And there are companies like that. There's a lot of companies that are now making furniture for plus size people. And oh, doorways are a big thing. Guys, I can't walk through a subway door in New York City without ducking. I have knocked myself silly hitting my head more times than I can ever count. So I'm tired of that. So that's definitely something I would change. But anyway, that's pretty much it. So thank you, Killian. All right. So these next two questions are pretty similar. So I'm going to answer them at the same time. Uh, Isaac asks, do you work as a model full time? And Adrian asks, when you moved to New York, did you begin modeling right away? I think these guys kind of go together. So I'm going to answer them at the same time. I hope that's okay, Isaac and Adrian. Um, I do work full time as a model. This is my only, this is my real job, which is awesome. It wasn't at first. When I first started modeling, even when you guys were seeing me on Good Morning America and when I was on Target and when I was first signed by IMG and I was doing all this press and doing all these big things, I still bartended five nights a week. I still worked at Rockwood Music Hall on the Lower East Side, which is an amazing music venue with three different stages. I worked there for four years. Um, Ken Rockwood is a great friend. He was a great mentor, and he was an amazing boss. He was always there for people who wanted more. He always helped out his uh, employees who were uh, musicians. He knew that I was an actor and trying to make it that way, and he, when I started modeling, he knew that. He was always very supportive, so I was very lucky. But I still needed his money. <laughs> I still, for a very long time when I started modeling, still needed... Um, you know, a basic income. So to Adrian's question, did I start modeling as soon as I moved to New York? No, I actually moved to New York in order to be an actor. That's why I did that. When I was 20 years old, I had dropped out of college in New Haven, Connecticut, and I moved to New York to go to the American Academy of Dramatic Art. Uh, I wanted to be an actor. I, I, so I spent two years doing their full-time conservatory program, eight hours a day, uh, at school doing intensive training and then I would spend 8 to 10 hours every night working, bartending or waiting tables anywhere around the city. So I moved here when I was 20 and I was working full time while going to school full time. Uh, when I graduated from school I just worked full time. Um, I still did some stuff. I did I was, do, I was doing well as an, act, as an actor. I was, I said tens of lines on TV uh, usually saying ID please or something like that. I played a lot of prison guards, a lot of bouncers, a lot of stuff like that. But um, I did a lot of theater. I, I toured with a children's company for about a year, which I loved doing, playing the Black Knight and Sir Gawain in uh, King Arthur and the Magic Sword. But I had to put in a lot of dues. I, I, I definitely was spent a lot of time eating rice because that's all I had. <laughs> A very long portion of my New York life was me going to Costco with my mom in Connecticut, buying a 50-pound bag of white rice, bringing it back to New York City, and substantially living off of rice and hot sauce for, like, you know, months at a time, with the occasional McDonald's McDouble thrown in for a dollar. Um, you know, it was not a glamorous existence, but it helped me really know what the struggle and what the hustle was and just to keep keep pushing and keep going. So I actually got, you know, I got started doing my acting, you know, during my modeling work actually came from my acting work. I got set up with it uh, with my first e-commerce gig for Target through my commercial agent. So no, I did not start. And, and, and it, took so, it takes a long time. And a lot of people ask me about going full time 
in modeling. I know a lot of guys who are models and a lot of girls who are models and are doing well and are booking gigs, but you know, they don't quite feel like they should give up their survival job. A lot of actors, a lot of musicians ask me the same thing of when should I give up my survival job and commit fully? My advice to that is you'll know exactly when. I know that sounds stupid, but I got to the point where I could not work at a bar anymore. I did not have time to work at a bar anymore. I was luckily booking enough where I was like, I couldn't keep a regular job. I had to take off too much time from work. You need to be able to support yourself. There's a big, there's something to be said for just going for it. Or it's like they'd say on Shark Tank, why don't you quit your job and just go for it? And the reason you're not going to do that is you still need to eat. I need to eat. You, you should never do anything that's detrimental to your life. Now, I'm not talking about your lifestyle. If you can't go out to eat with your friends or go out drinking or anything like that, that stuff doesn't matter. I'm talking about you need to keep a roof over your head. You need to keep up with your bills so you don't destroy your credit. And you need to feed yourself. If you can do those three things comfortably, then go for it, man. Absolutely. Go all in. Try it. In this economy, you're not missing out on anything. Especially if you're like me and your survival job was a bartender, you'll find a bartending gig when you get out. I promise. If you if you're if you know what you're doing, if you have another skill to fall back on, you can do it. That's something to always remember. I decided to go for it in acting when I moved to the city because I moved to the city in 2008. The economy collapsed. <laughs> there was nothing left. The rules were gone. So I thought to myself, I might as well just go for it. Because I'm not going to have a job either way. So why not, you know, do the service industry and not have a full-time benefited career and be pursuing something I love with every fiber of my being? And whether that be acting for you or whether it be music or whether it be modeling or whether it be writing, you can always find a waiter job. You can always do it. It doesn't I mean, it sounds you'll always find a gig. It's hard to find a career. So if you're working towards your career, go for it. So thank you, Adrian and Isaac. I think I answered your question, but I also went off on a little bit of a tangent there. Just, guys, go for it. When it when You'll know. If you're questioning it, then keep your other job. You can always juggle. You're, not, you're only giving up your free time is a way to think about it. If you are hustling and you're hanging on to your nighttime job because you're doing e-commerce shoots and you're doing well and people are starting to know you in the modeling world or you're doing even extra work or you know one-liners or day player stuff on tv but you're starting to make connections and people are knowing you it is so okay to keep your waiter job at night to keep that going if you're going to give up anything to follow your dreams free time is easy you can easily give up, you know, catching up on the latest show. I just watched the most recent uh, episode of Castle Rock. I think it's a great show. But if I had to, if I knew I could take back the seven hours I've spent watching Castle Rock to work closer towards my dreams, then I should be doing that. I feel like I should be working way more than I am just on, on, on the constant hustle and the constant flow. But I've been lucky enough that I've, I've seemed to have found a good balance between work and life. And if you found that, great. But don't put yourself in severe danger when it comes to quitting your job. But the second you feel like you can survive off of your job and just do what you're doing, you're making enough money to go full-time at the thing you love, then go full-time at the thing you love. And if it doesn't work out, go back to doing the job you hated. It's We're not in a situation where you work for the same... We're not in an economy where you work for the same company for 40 years anymore and you get your golden watch at the end. Everything's the gig economy. You'll get another gig, so you might as well just go for it. All right, let's do a little bit of a lighter one for now. Uh, KD asks me, uh, what's your favorite movie of all time? Easy. 
super hands down The Princess Bride. For those of you who have not seen The Princess Bride, it will change your life absolutely forever. Uh, BuzzFeed does a lot of those things where they're like, watch somebody react to this thing for the first time. And I just watched something where a woman had never seen Princess Bride before, and she watched and reacted to it. And watching someone go on the biggest emotional roller coaster of their entire life was so fun. The movie has everything. It has love. It has action. It has comedy. It has... Oh, guys, it's perfect. It's the perf- It's a fairy tale. It's an adventure story. It's everything you could ever imagine. My boy Andre the Giant's in it. Uh, Carrie Elwes is in it. I think that's how you say his name. I've never known how to say Carrie Elwes's name or Carrie Yule's or Carrie something, but he's amazing. You know him from this and from Robin Hood Men in Tights and from Twister. He's so... And I think he was in Saw. Yeah, he was in Saw too. So you've seen him in everything. Um, you have uh, Wallace Shawn, one of the greatest voices of the world in it. You have Manny Patinkin being Indigo Montoya, who is the greatest character of all time. Oh, it's the best movie ever. So that's my favorite movie, The Princess Bride. Everyone go see it. Uh, what is your favorite food? Hands down. It's like a triple tie. Um, by the way, uh, uh, Emiliano asked me what my favorite food was. I would say it's, uh, buffalo wings, pizza, and burgers. I know that's the most typical, ridiculous dude foods there are, but they're my favorite by so, so much. And I get in arguments with Laura about this all the time because her favorite foods in the entire world are like kale and broccoli. And that's not fair. (laughs) She gets to eat her favorite foods in the world all the time. And I can't eat my favorite food in the world all the time because I'd die. Because you can't have chicken wings, burgers, and pizzas three meals a day every day. But apparently you can have kale that many times. But who knows? Uh, To get more specific, the best chicken wings I've ever had are from Archie Moore's in Connecticut. In New Haven, Connecticut, they are the best wings ever. Um, favorite pizza ever, modern pizza in New Haven, Connecticut. New Haven is the best pizza. Connecticut style, New Haven pizza, pizza, Worcester Street pizza is the best pizza in the entire world. And I will go toe to toe with anybody if they can try to pick a better pizza. You want to know why? Because New Haven pizza wins best pizza in the world on like every single thing they do. Every time they ever do like 100 best pizzas in the world, it ends up coming back every single time as Pepe's Pizza in New Haven. And I love Pepe's. Pepe's is great. I like modern better. And Burger Place? I don't know. I love any burger. I love cheap burgers. I love expensive burgers. I love Five Guys. I I mean, I even love McDonald's. I love Backyard Burger. I love Bear Burger in... I love Passage, the local bar I have. Just You can't mess up a good burger. All you need is, it's great. Anyway, now back to better questions. Not better questions. Those were great questions, but you know what I mean. We'll get a little deeper. All right. Kathy asks, what is your biggest phobia? Um, Failure. I know that's super depressing, but it really is. My, I, for as long as I can remember, I've been terrified about people forgetting who I was when I died. I don't know why. Even even as like a 10-year-old kid, I was so concerned with the idea of legacy, with the idea of leaving an impression on the world, something bigger than myself. That That's always been like an overall consuming thing in me. And I was so afraid of the idea of not leaving my mark on the world. Just past close friends and family, I wanted to be remembered forever. So to do that, I was like, I need to achieve success. I need to do something. I need to change the world in some way so people don't forget about me. So my biggest fear has always been failure and being forgotten because I was a failure. Which, you know, is super depressing, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's what my biggest fear is, I guess. Um, so, yeah, is what it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris asks, what's your guilty pleasure? Uh, my guilty pleasure is very simple. I love 
love, love trashy midday television. I love it so much. I love Maury. I love all the judge shows. I love Judge Judy, Judge Mathis, Judge Joe Brown, Divorce Court, People's Court. If the word court's in it, I love that show. I love Dr. Phil. I love Steve Wilkos. I'm not that into Jerry Springer because Jerry Springer's obviously staged. And, you know, it's kind of lost my appeal. But I love those trashy TV shows. When I was in London, I discovered Jeremy Kyle, who is like every, like, U.S. trashy TV host but jeremy kyle will yell back at the people and call them like horrible names and like he'll get into him like you're the worst person i've ever met and it's so funny to just see him and, and like people leave the stage and he'll chase them around i don't know i love trash tv i'll sit in bed at night and like while i'm falling asleep i'll be on like dr phil's facebook page watching <laughs> three minute like clips of what's going on I don't know why it is. I do feel... Actually, Laura at one point uh, f- forbade them in the house. And she forbade certain ones. I still, in the house, do not watch Maury or Steve Wilkos or any of those shows because Laura got to the point where she's like, you're a better person than this. You cannot watch these shows anymore. And I was just like, I, uh, I'm not, I'm not a better person than this. I love this stuff. So I still don't watch Steve Wilkos and Maury. I cut those out, and I've mostly cut out most of the Judge shows as well. But I've gotten her hooked on Doctor Phil a little too. So I love it. Definitely a guilty pleasure. Uh, definitely not enhancing my life in any way by watching them, but I do love them. Evan asks. What is your normal beard care routine? Shaving your neck? Question mark. Best shape for a natural look. Um, yeah, people ask me about beard stuff all the time, so I'll tell you. Um, I try to keep my beard looking as natural as possible, so I do trim the top of my beard because um, if not, hair grows all the way up to above my cheekbones and almost to my eyes. I look like a wolf. So I do need to trim down. Um, the best thing for me to do, I mean, it's really whatever floats your boat. Facial hair can be in your own self-expression. But what I do is I uh, try to keep a natural-ish looking curve from um, where my mustache kind of hits the corners of my lips. And then I just curve up into my um sideburns and go from there as far as down trimming goes the best rule of thumb is to be a finger above your adam's apple so right where your adam's apple is you just go kind of like a finger resting right above there your beard line should be around there and i and i personally always keep it like rounded to kind of go with the natural shape of my face a lot of the times what people recommend you do is and I had one barber do this to me is they'll like kind of cut up to your chin and kind of like try to really accentuate your jawline and just have the hair kind of on your jawline rather than all the way down under your chin. But I feel if you're like me and you're a bigger guy, if they cut your beard like that, now you have a chin hanging below your beard, which looks not the greatest. So <laughs> I always recommend you just do a finger above your Adam's apple cover up just so you have a beard going all the way over. And then other than that, I keep it trimmed. Trimming is 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 very important. You're always cutting off the dead ends and you get some weird scriggly, scraggly ones. And then I wash my beard with the same shampoo and conditioner I wash my hair with. You should. It's body hair. And then I use beard oil because it smells lovely and it just keeps your beard a little softer. So there you go for the four people that wanted to know that. Um, we're just going to do two more questions here. Um, and I'm going to stick to ones that I know you guys really wanted to hear about. Jimmy asks, how did you get your first big break into modeling? Um, a lot of you know this story, so I'll keep it really brief. Um, so I moved to New York City to be an actor. And I was, as I said, I had... Uh, tens of lines on television. I had done some children's tours, and I'd gotten to the point where you know I was I was I was doing okay. I was I was doing pretty good, and I felt good about where things were going, but it was still going very slowly. So I had an agent who um, worked with me for you know TV and commercials, 
and she or a manager rather and um she was friends with a hair and makeup artist at Splashlight Studios, which is a studio that does a lot of stuff. They do a lot of Target's e-com. They do lots of stuff. It's a, you know, it's a fashion studio here, a photography studio here in the city. And they were looking, and that makeup artist, Sherry Terry, who's an amazing woman, wouldn't have a career without her. Literally wouldn't have a career without Sherry Terry and Lida Muso over at Splashlight. They're incredible, incredible people. They gave me my first break. So Sherry posted that they were looking for a guy with a 40-inch waist. And it was about you know six and a half feet tall, which is basically what I am. And so my manager you know, DM'd her and put me in for it. So I show up and I do my first... I, I still didn't think anything of it. I'd been in for print jobs before, so you didn't you don't think too much about them. Um, so I went in, did my test shoot, and did my audition. I thought it went okay, but apparently I did better than I thought. Lida Muso, who is the head of the studio, um, coached me through. I did some different poses, and as soon as I I met her and I met Sherry, who was the reason I was getting to called in in the first place, and then Lida actually did my test and Lida. Muso apparently liked it because I left, thought things were fine. And then within two hours of taking my test shot, I got a photo that I had my first gig. And I came in the next day and I did my first ever Target gig. Uh, it was it was an e-commerce thing for Target. And um, not huge money, not a big gig. On the lower side of the modeling pecking order of quality of jobs. Or not quality, pay of jobs. <laughs> I'd rather say that. Not quality, but you know, on the pay scale. Second lowest, right above stock photography. Because um, e-commerce is when you go to Target's website and you see, oh, I want to see, that looks like a good t-shirt. I'll be the dude on the website wearing that t-shirt you can buy. Not huge thing, not campaign, not editorial, but still good money, especially at the time, way more money than I was used to making. It, you know, it was the same as me getting a SAG acting gig, so I was super pumped about it. Did my first shoot, nothing really fit. <laughs> I thought I did a terrible job. They shaved my beard, I looked like a big old baby. Um, and I just thought terrible of it. Uh, Monica, the uh, stylist, had to literally hang off me like a monkey, stretching the clothes as much as she could before she ended up, you know, cutting some up the back and pinning them into place. And I was like, there's no way I'm coming back here. Uh, but then a week later, I got called for another gig. And ever since then, I've been working with them doing e-com. Uh, so that was my first really big break because from doing e-com, I got noticed on... Uh, by Bruce Sturgill over at Chubster. He wrote an article about me. I did an interview with him, and then that got picked up by BuzzFeed and by Mike.com and Huffington Post, and then it kept going, and it was in Cosmopolitan, and then I was on Good Morning America, and I was in the New York Post, and that was... It was a, it was a feeling of truly going viral before I even really knew what viral was. And then after doing my New York Post article... Um, Ivan Bart, president of IMG Models, saw my article in the New York Post, called me in. We courted one another for several months, and then they finally offered me a contract. And the rest is ongoing history. Uh, so, yeah, a little gig, little e-com gig ended up being my big break into the modeling world. So you never know. You never know. Always take every gig, guys. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what connections you're going to make. If it wasn't for Lida and Sherry, I would have never had the gig that made me catch the eye of Bruce Sturgill, who caught the eye of all these other things, who then caught the eye of Good Morning America and the New York Post, who then caught the eye of the president of IMG Models. You never know what sequence of events is going to kick stuff off. Say yes to every gig that you feel safe and respected doing and have a good time doing it and be a good person to work with. Just be a good person to work with. But we'll get into that more on our final question. Um, I got this question uh, a bunch of times, like a hundred times over. I'm sure it's one of the, it's the most asked question I get. So I figure I'll go into a little detail and try to help you. Tony asks, tips to become a plus-size male model. This is the question I am asked more than anything else. Is, do you have any tips to become a plus-size male model? How do I become a plus-size model, whether male or female? 
Will you help me become a plus size model? Um, can you help me launch my career? What's the best tips you can give? Any advice? I really need your help on how to become a model. I am asked this more than anything else. Also, I should add, uh, Tony also asks, I have yet to see Latino plus size male models, to which I say go check out M uh, Miguel Perdomo. Hey, he's amazing, and I totally think you should check him out. I work with him all the time. He's with Wilhelmina Models. He's one of the OGs in plus-size male modeling. Go check out Miguel Perdomo. Uh, definitely. Um, also, like, check out Miguel. He's amazing at what he does. I mean, there's a bunch. There, there's Addy Duval. He's amazing. Um, Eric Anderson is amazing. There's a lot of Latino plus-size male models out there, so get a looking. Darnell Graham. I can keep going. But anyway, um, the, the question is, what are your tips to become a plus-size model? So this is going to go for men and women. I'm going to do both, but I will also talk mostly about guys because this is what I know. Um, until a couple of years ago, the industry for plus-size male models didn't really exist at all. And even the women's industry wasn't what it was today. Because of incredible women like Ashley Graham and Tess Holliday and Candace Huffine and Precious Lee and Marquita Pring and Tara Lynn, and I can just keep going and going and going. But because of amazing Trailblazer Plus models on the women's side, the men's model grew and had a chance. And because of them... Uh, plus modeling has really gone mainstream in the last three years. It used to just be this little thing. Now it's it's mainstream. Ashley Graham is a A-list fucking celebrity. And I don't think anyone can doubt that. So we are, it's in the mainstream now. And there's still a long way to go, but the women in the plus industry are kicking every ass. So it's going to keep on growing. Um but the male industry is still new, and there's still a long ways to go. So there's no really surefire path on how to get noticed and how to figure it out. But I can give you some tips on how to start, whether you're a man or a woman. The first thing you need to do is you need to have an Instagram page. You have to have an Instagram page. You have to have social media. It is so dependent on the industry. It's, so, it's, it's, it's what the industry bases so much on. The amount of gigs I've gotten because of my Instagram profile, whether directly or indirectly, I'd say at least 50% of the gigs I've gotten were because of stuff I posted on Instagram. So it is very important to have a well-curated Instagram. I caught Ivan Bart's eye on Instagram. He sent me a DM before I knew you could DM anybody on Instagram is the reason I had a meeting with the president of IMG Models. So Instagram is very important. You need, you need to make your Instagram public. A lot of people have private Instagrams, and I, and I understand it if you're just sharing stuff with your friends and whatnot, but a lot of people who want to get discovered, a lot of people who want to be actors, who want to be musicians, who want to be models, who want to be comedians, have private Instagram pages. And you cannot do that. You have to have a public page. For example, I was found by Ivan on uh, the president of IMG Models on Instagram. If I had a private account, that never would have happened because when scouts and whatnot are checking out um, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter to try to find new talent, they're never going to request to follow you. It has to be passive. They have to be able to click on your thing and they have to be able to check it out willy-nilly at their own discretion at their own thing to see if they want to look at it they are not going to send you a request to follow your instagram because they don't have time they're looking at millions they're looking at millions of profiles they are scouting regularly at all times scouts are trying to find new models and why on earth would they request to follow you I mean, it sounds harsh, but why on earth would they request to follow you? They don't know anything about you other than this little circle profile picture. And also, by being private, you're not showing up in any searches. You're not showing up in any related things. You need to have a public profile. It's the most important thing, and I cannot stress that enough, that a public Instagram profile is essentially serving as your online portfolio. And 
whether it's not your official portfolio or not, like I have a lot of modeling photos, but most of my Instagram is actually behind the scenes stuff. Um, you still need it. It's, it's so important. And I know people are like, Oh Zach, I really hate social media. I don't like getting on it. Tough. (laughs) It's not going anywhere. It's replaced so much in this industry and it's so much in every industry. It is what the world is now. It is what marketing is now. It is, it is what the entertainment industry has become. So you got to get on social media. I don't know what to tell you. You got to do it. Sorry. Uh, so that's very important. The next thing is putting yourself out there. Make sure you have high quality photos on your Instagram page. Not Stuff with your phone is great, and you can get a lot of great stuff with your phone. And a lot of the phones have great cameras now. If you have an iPhone 7 and above, you got a really good camera. So you can take a lot of stuff. A lot of them have portrait mode now, but you need high quality pictures you need headshots you need pictures of your beautiful face and you need full body shots a lot of people are especially I grew up not taking shots of my full body I didn't want people to know what I looked like but I had to get over that and you have to get over that because when you're modeling it's gonna be full body shots so they need to see all of it so you can't do the old vintage now it's vintage but you know the myspace angle what I'm talking about when you kind of hold the camera up and you kind of look up at it that way. I mean, take one or two, but you need full body shots. I'm not even saying you don't have to have swimsuit or lingerie shots. If you're not there in your life, then don't do that. You know, stay true to yourself. It's, it's so much about individuality. Now you have to have high quality shots, but you still need to be yourself and you still need to be an individual. So don't do anything that's going to make you uncomfortable. There's a difference between uncomfortable, I feel like I'm betraying my values, I don't feel comfortable showing skin, I don't feel comfortable being in a bathing suit. There's a difference between that uncomfortable, which is respect your body, respect your own boundaries, definitely follow those notes of being uncomfortable, and uncomfortable, I don't want anybody to see me, I don't feel good about being on social media, because if you're that level of uncomfortable, then you can't be a model or an actor, because your life is literally in front of the camera. So you need to get past that level of being uncomfortable. And you can. The way you're going to do it is you're going to grab a friend and you're going to grab a camera. And it could be your phone camera, but preferably a better camera. We all have a friend with a DSLR camera. Every single one of us will have one friend with a nice DSLR camera. They're expensive. A cheap DSLR by Canon especially is still going to run you 400 bucks. So you don't. I'm not telling you to go out and buy one, but I know one of your friends has one. I know one of your friends has one. So you hook up with that friend that's an amateur photographer. It's trying to go and say, hey, man, let's go out to the park and let's take a bunch of pictures. And I'm going to buy you lunch. And I'm going to buy you a beer. And I'm going to buy you a pizza. And thank you so much. And your buddy who's your buddy will do it. If you don't have a friend that has a DSLR camera, you can use your phone. That's fine. But make sure they are good quality, well-lit shots. That means you can see your whole face. You can see your whole body. And when you're taking pictures of yourself, make sure there has to be life behind your eyes. That's most of modeling is being engaged, having intention, be having some sort of life behind your body, your eyes. That means when you're taking these photos, you have to think of something. What do I think of, Zach? Anything. I, <laughs> you just can't be blank. You can literally be thinking of anything. I, When I'm taking photos and I need smiling shots, I just think of, of like shitty memes I saw on the internet that make me laugh. And that gets me to the place where I'm laughing and I'm smiling and I'm doing what I need to do. If I need to be sexy or something, I think of my wife. I think, or, you know, think of whoever. Think it's, you have to be free and you have to, but you need expression behind your eyes. That is so important. So I highly recommend get a friend, take headshots, looking at the camera and looking off camera. And you're going to go through your emotions. You're going to be happy. You're going to be sultry. You're going to be a little intense, not angry, but, you know, just intensity. And you'll go through intensity, you'll go through looking sexy, and you'll go through looking happy. And you'll take as many photos as you can doing that. Through doing that, you're also going to get practice. You're going to learn your angles. You're going to learn what looks good and what doesn't look good. I know there are certain positions I can't stand in because I'll look, I'll look frumpy and I'll look silly and it won't work out. You need to practice. 
you need to do it. No one's going to help you launch your career if you don't ask for it. And when I say the people you should be asking the help for is, you know, ask your friend with the DSLR camera. Ask people to put a, ask after you take these photos. For, ask your friends to share them. Ask, you know, send them where you need to do. You need to put yourself out there with everything you have. And the most important thing when you're taking these photos is to take yourself seriously. Take a serious photo. Really try. Really try. And a lot of people feel awkward and they'll get giggly and they'll be like, and, and, and they'll start treating the photo shoot as a whole joke. That took me a long time to get past because it's my own defense mechanism that I try to laugh it off and I try to make a joke about it. So take yourself seriously. Take good photos. Take the best photos you can. Put them on your new public Instagram page and then what you do is you start engaging with people you start you go to all of the agencies and all of the photographers and all of the models and everyone that you want to work with at one point and you start commenting and you start engaging and you start putting yourself out there and you start asking people to check out your feed I, I mean you don't know what's going to happen I've, I've followed so many guys and so many girls online and on things just because I thought they had a good picture and I thought they had good stuff. And that might not be, that might not do huge things, but I can tell you right now, there were two guys that I followed on Instagram because, you know, I liked their shots. I thought they were doing good things. Did I know them personally? No. Did I know them from the industry? No, I didn't. Not really. I knew, I only knew them from Instagram and I only knew them from seeing because they were active because they posted on other people's stuff. They posted on my stuff. They posted on people. I followed stuff. So eventually I clicked on them. I caught their eye and I followed them myself. I went, wow, these guys look good. They're doing a good job. Then what happened? Couple weeks later, the two of them showed up to one of my target shoots because they were going in for a casting for target because of what they were doing because they were hustling online and they caught somebody's eye so they got asked in and what happened is they showed up and i saw them at the target shoot and i said hey guys i know you guys and i gave them a hug and i said hi to them and the producers saw me know these guys they saw me give them hugs they saw me interact with them and the producer came over to me and goes you know these guys and i said yeah they're models i know them from the industry they're great and that only happened because these guys started engaging properly on social media. And then I don't know if either of them got the gig, but I know it looked damn good to the producer that one of their models that they had been working with steadily for the past three years knew exactly who these guys were. And I only knew them because of Instagram. You need to get involved in the community. It is so important. Our community is still new. Our community is still fresh. So you have to be involved in it. So let's go back to the basics. Start an Instagram. Uh, take photos. Make it public. Start engaging. Start taking yourself seriously. Connect to all of the producers, everyone you want to work with. Offer to do work for free. Now, they tell you all the time, like, oh, you should never do modeling work for free. In the beginning, you better do modeling work for free. I'm not saying doing it, you know, I'm not saying take free gigs and get taken advantage of. When you have nothing in your portfolio and nothing on your resume, you have to take free gigs. It happened. I've paid several photographers to take test photos of me so I would have stuff for my portfolio. I do not recommend doing that, but it happens, and, and sometimes it's good. You will find someone who wants to work with you by staying engaged in the community on Instagram, by DMing every photographer DM 500 photographers you like. Be like, hey, man, woman, hey, lady, hey, sir, hey, anyone, however pronoun you want to be referred to. I love your work. Would love to work with you one day. Do that to 500 photographers. You might get a response from one or two of them. And you might get to work with them. And you might get to do stuff. Find out who is shooting what you are interested in. If you are interested in shooting, you know, if you're a plus size person and you're trying to get into the plus size community, find out what photographers shoot plus size a lot. Anastasia Garcia, I could throw that one out there right away. She, she's an amazing photographer who does great work and you can DM people like that and just offer like, hey, if you have a project you're working on, a fun project, I'll work for free just to get these photos. 
get those photos. And then when you use those free photos and you now have an awesome portfolio, that's when you start hitting people to get paid work. Now, agents, people are going to ask me about, a lot of people also ask me on how to get an agent. I don't recommend it right away. You need to get to a certain level to get an agent. You can get so much work without an agency. Now, an agent is great. An agent will get you more work. An agent will get you higher rates for the work that you are booked in. An agent will help guide you through the industry. And it is amazing to have an agent. My career would be nothing, nowhere near what it is with if I wasn't signed with IMG. I am stupid lucky to have gotten signed with them. But don't let not having an agent stop you from doing the work. Stop you from putting yourself out there because with social media, you can act as your own agent. There's no reason you can't reach out to these products. There's no reason reason you can't DM the gap. You probably won't get a response, but why not? You can DM the gap or you can DM Club Monaco or you can DM Bonobos or, or, you know, any brand you can think of. You can send them a direct message and 99.9% of the time you will get no response they're not going to do anything, but you never know. You can. Get, what else are you doing that you can't send a two-second DM to be like, "Hey, I love your guys' stuff. I'm a model. Would love to work with you." I mean, uh, w- 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 what are you losing out on doing that? Your pride? Fuck it. Fuck your pride. I, I gave up on my pride a long time ago. If you can, if if they say no, ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, but that point one percent is a dude that's going to give you a little gig that will get you to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, then do it. It's a, it's a, it's a hustle. Modeling is a, is a big hustle and you just have to grind it out and you need to take yourself seriously. So let's compact it (laughs) into one thing. Biggest tips, get your Instagram, make it public, populate it with well done photography get you know hook up with a friend or offer or do some barter find a photographer and be like yo i'll help you i'll blast you on instagram i'll do whatever i can you know i can mow your lawn if you take photos of me do whatever get yourself some high quality photos engage with the community engage with photographers engage with brands engage with agencies engage with other plus models and influencers don't worry about getting an agent those five things just keep grinding it out there. It is so important to be an individual. It is so important to be yourself. It is so important to believe in you. You're going to get told no a billion times. You're going to get told no more than you can ever count. But you're working towards something. And it's important to remember that you are working towards something. You have a goal. You're not sitting on your couch doing nothing. You have a goal. So many people in life don't have a goal. They don't have a thing they want to achieve. They don't have a a next tier. They don't have a place they want to be. There's a difference between having a goal and a dream. A dream is something that is great, but a lot of people have dreams and never, ever, ever follow them. A goal means you're actively working towards it. So keep doing that. Keep your goal in mind. This is a fresh new industry. We are making up the rules in Plus Modeling as we go along. There is no standard. We are making it up. That's amazing. (laughs) We are building it from the ground up, and there's no reason you cannot be a part of building it yourself if you believe in yourself and you work really, really hard. Now, do you have to have a certain look to do it? Yes and no. If, if you don't look a certain way, if you don't have that model look that people talk about, I'm using quotation fingers. I hope you can hear them in my voice. If you don't have that, does that mean you're never going to model? No, it doesn't. It means it's going to be harder and you're going to have to work much harder than the person next to you. It doesn't mean you're never going to do it. There's plenty of people that were told that they don't have a model look and now they are hugely, hugely successful. So, believe in yourself. Guys, thank you. I haven't done one of these in a long time. This was a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope I didn't bore you. I hope you learned something. But thank you so much for joining us on this special Zach Miko Ask Me Anything. Um, If you guys want to reach back out to me, I'll try to answer any more questions you guys have. Um, You know, hit me up on Instagram and whatnot. Please listen 
to this episode. If you guys ask me any of the questions that are on this episode, I'm just going to forward you back to this episode. But really believe in yourselves. Put yourselves out there. I'm so proud to have all of you as listeners. I'm so proud to have you as followers. Whether you are straight size or plus size, I believe in all of you. And you should believe in yourself. We're, we're, li- we're living in a, in a world that's really limitless. Things are hard. Things are difficult. Things may seem impossible. But we're in a situation, I think for the first time in human history, there's nothing that's impossible. There are things that are crazy difficult and insanely hard. But there's nothing that's impossible. There is no dream that is too big. And it sounds really cheesy that it's all a way of thinking, but it really is. You have so much more behind you if you're the one working towards your goals and working towards your dreams than the people just sitting daydreaming about it. And I believe in all of you, and I hope I can help you in any way I can if it's just talking through it or whatever. So thank you for being a part of this podcast audience. I love all of you, and I love this podcast so much. Please follow us on social media, at ZachMiko, Z-A-C-H, M-I-K-O on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bigthingspod. Email me at zach at bigthingspod.com and email josh at josh at bigthingspod.com. This is great. I love you guys so much. Thank you. Remember to believe in yourself. And until next week, go out into the world and do big things. Ah.